This show is a proud member of the Nerdy Legion Podcast Network. Get more at nerdylegion.com. Enjoy the show! Spoiler alert! What Did You Watch This Week is a candid discussion about recent movies and TV shows, and it may contain spoilers if you haven't watched them yet. Listen at your own risk. Episode number 363. My name is Mike. My name is John. It's a palindrome. It is. It is a palindrome. Forwards and backs. Forwards and backs. It's like race car spelled backwards is race car. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Taco cat. Taco cat. Jesus. I mean, I guess technically, yeah. <laughs> Race cars a real world, a real world, real word. Taco Cat is is. I'm gonna just say it's gibberish. I mean, gibberish. if you have a, if you have a cat that likes tacos, then it's not gibberish at all. <sighs> well, maybe not. I guess I don't. I don't know. So it is. It is Tuesday, the eighth of August. We recorded. Uh, we did not record last night because last night we. Went on a double date there with our significant others. Had some dinner. We sure did. Then we went home and watched movies. We sure did. Separate homes, separate movies. Yeah. So I actually have nine movies to talk about today. That's just ridiculous. Well, I did watch six of them with my wife over the weekend because we had a stay home weekend. So, I mean, that's. That's why. And then I watched. Uh, well, we did actually. We watched seven movies together, and I watched two of my own. Okay. Did you guys get any movies in? Uh, we one. got. We got two. We got two movies. There you go. All right. Well, uh, let's jump to the television programming. Uh, mm-hmm. We got. What do we got? We got Strange New Worlds. We got uh, what we do in the shadows. We got uh, Twisted Metal. Good Omens. Uh, Good Omens. One episode for me. Um, Have you guys watched any of the new season of The After Party? We have not watched any of The After Party yet because we watched a lot of movies instead. Okay. Then then in that case, I will not talk about it. Okay. Do you want? Did you you end up watching? I think likewise. You watched all ten episodes of Twisted Metal, did you not? Correct. Yes. Let's just let's just let's just dive in. Let's just okay. dive into Twisted Metal. Probably lots of spoilers, everybody. Um, lots of spoilers. So I am aware of the video game. I I have no memory of ever playing the video game. I know mm-hmm. I didn't own the video game. Um. So I don't know how true to the source material the, the the show was um i know as a whole i thoroughly enjoyed it how about you as a whole so as a whole yes 
I loved it. Julia actually loved it. This was, I think I mentioned it last time that basically I told her, Hey, I want to sit down with you. I want to watch one episode of this just to kind of feel it out. See if you like it or not. If you don't, I'm just going to watch it myself. If you do. And by the end of it, she was like, yeah, I can get behind this. I can watch this. Um, no, both of us thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, very much looking forward to a second season, hoping that they get one. Um, but yes, the the relation to the video games got stronger as the season went on. Like the first couple episodes had almost not, like no tie. Even just like introducing Sweet Tooth as Sweet Tooth, mm-hmm. like in the game, Sweet Tooth was the truck. Like the driver was Needles Kane. And um, so I was like, okay, so they're just going all out. There was no car named Evelyn. You know, no, they're just changing it. And the other thing is, like, I was telling Julie about this. So there were like six different Twisted Metal games. So it was Twisted Metal 1, Twisted Metal 2. And then the company, the, the studio that made it, got kind of shafted by Sony. Sony kept the rights to Twisted Metal, but said, we don't want you doing this anymore and kind of shot them off to the side. So they broke off and did their own thing, 989 Studios. And so they made a game called Rogue Trip and it was basically Twisted Metal, except for with the added bonus, instead of just killing all the other drivers, you were trying to pick up a tourist and take them to different locations on the map while killing everybody else and trying not to get killed. It was a great game. They never made another. So then Twisted Metal 3, Twisted Metal 4 were done by Sony's internal teams, and they sucked. They were terrible games. Um, They kind of dropped it at that point, and then they came back later on, like years later, with Twisted Metal Black for the PlayStation 3. And this was the dark return to the roots, and the whole vibe changed. Like, it wasn't just vehicular combat. Now there was, like, dark, twisted backstories for everybody beyond just the ones that they had. Because some of the ones in the early games were comical. Um, And I found that a lot of the characters in the show were based on the versions from Twisted Metal Black versus, like, the first game. Although, like, Twist, the, um, the race car driver who was... Uh, you know, she didn't actually get in the race car until the last episode. Um, yes. She was from the first game. And then pretty much I don't think she ever showed up again. Um, but a lot of them were the Twisted Metal Black versions. Like in the first game, there was a cop car and there was an Agent Stone. But Agent Stone was like a spy and the mm-hmm. cop car was somebody else. Uh, in Twisted Metal Black, though, it was Agent Stone driving Outlaw, the vehicle. Okay. Um. So for those that aren't aware of the show or the video game, the the brief synopsis is in a post-apocalyptic wasteland, John Doe, played by Anthony Mackie, a talkative milkman with amnesia, is given a mission to traverse the desolate world to deliver a cryptic package. He faces a life-altering opportunity, but must confess sorry, must confront ruthless marauders and deadly and destructive vehicles to secure a chance at a better future. Now, for the layperson, a milkman is essentially like their courier, their delivery, they're the Pony Express, they're the the, the mailman, whatever you want to call it. And, and how do you tell um, that they're a milkman? Because they have a sticker on their vehicle that says milkman. No, it says got milk. Oh, that's right, got milk. That's right. Sorry, got milk. So, um, there's been nuclear fallout. Essentially, the remaining cities have all built walls around them 
to keep out and they throw out the riffraff and the murderers and marauders to keep everything clean, if you will. However, as we learn from and then in each episode, we have the main uh, storyline and then we get backstories almost every episode of the characters of how they became who they are. Like we don't get sweet tooths until like seven episodes, seven or eight or, you know, we don't get uh, John Doe's really until like the end because he has amnesia and doesn't know anything or how we became who he became or who he was or where he grew up. And he really has no clues about it. So we don't really get his story. We get bits and pieces. Um, but yeah, like I think it was Orange County or whatever it is. is uh, rich mm. people like like you have people that work in the fields and then you can sign up to essentially be an indentured servant where after so many years you get like allegedly you'd get this plot of land and this and that and your freedom or whatever. But like the people you work for. And here's the thing, like how do people not know about this before they sign up? Like this seems to just has to be well known. Like everyone seems to have a servant that follows them around. They're not allowed to talk. They cut off their owners, cut off body parts as punishment. Like fingers, ears, one woman had her nose cut off. Like it's just, it's, it's unbelievable. And um, yeah, it's, it's completely effed up. Mm -hmm. Completely effed up. But anyhow. um, Yeah. And then you've got like the group, the holy men who are basically the most debaucherous freaks out there. I'd say the most debaucherous freaks, you know, they're all about sex, drugs, women, uh, but the women are all in positions of power over the men. They're all Um, dominatrix. Yep. They crucify people upside down or right side up sometimes. Um, Yeah, you have a few other groups out there that we're maybe not aware of that we haven't met yet. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you have Agent Stone, who's who's essentially in his in the real world before the fallout. He was a glorified security guard at a mall or something, something of that nature. And after the fallout, he took it upon himself to become a police officer and, you know, bring law and order to this backcountry world by, like, imposing tolls that aren't real and making people get driver's license and just basically being an all around piece of shit and like murdering people if they don't pick up after their dog's poop and just i mean it's it's quite messed up Mm -hmm. it is quite his his form of justice (coughs) is exceptionally exceptionally twisted like leaving out a, a truck full of food so as the seagulls show up to take the food, they kill them. Mm-hmm. Just doing it on purpose. Like yep. a very, very much so a deplorable human being. In fact, a lot of the characters on this show are deplorable human beings. Yes. You had even, even like the second lead quiet. You like was a kind of a shitty person through the first half of the episodes. Mm-hmm. And I'd then give her like, even further than that. Sure. Okay. Fair enough. But then all of a sudden there was like a, a, a switch that flipped and now she's, you know, super happy go lucky loves this guy. And then boom, another flip switch flips. And now she's like, it's just like, I kind of made mention to you. It's like, she's bipolar off her meds. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So there's quite a bit of humor. Um, there's drama. There's. And an ain't a of violence. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, I mean, essentially John Doe gets a job to go from New San Francisco to Chicago to pick up something. And no one goes to Chicago because it's so terrible. But if he does, he'll get the right to enter New San Francisco, which as a milkman, he doesn't ever go inside these walls. He just delivers at the door of the walls, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, along the way, he meets Quiet, who they are definitely are foey at first and then kind of end up working together. But like there's always like they get captured by Sweet Tooth. They get captured by this person. They get trapped by the convoy they get you know what i mean like all this hijinks they get into in like a 10 day period because he has 10 days to get there and back which you know even in today's standards driving from san francisco to chicago and back in 10 days that that'd be cutting it close probably Mm -hmm. you know what what, what you got um So, like I said, when you first start out the show, it's kind of it. The best thing that I can relate it to recently is Blood Drive. Um, yes. Meets Supernatural in a way. Like, I felt that the Milkmen were really kind of like the the Hunters on Supernatural. You know, they all had their own rest stops. They all had their own secret, uh, you know, s- system. Um, you yes. had the map maker who, you know... Basically, his maps were placemats from restaurants of the United States, but they were remarkably accurate because he would put on like checkpoints and pit stops. And as Quiet said at one point, is that a vagina? Um, So they had a system that really worked for them, which was cool. It wasn't until you started getting later on in the episodes that it started really fleshing out. Julia said it best. She was like, the show itself ties into the games but it has its own bones and can stand alone so it definitely this stood alone as itself honestly i felt that this show was the setup to the twisted metal games because the the concept in the games was always that there was a tournament that was being held uh calypso was running the tournament he was this enigmatic figure and he wanted the best drivers in the world and the most fucked up vehicles to come into his tournament and um, compete. Whoever won the tournament would get one wish, you know, their heart's desire. It wasn't anything like a genie where he could bring people back from the dead, but it was different things like, like what John's looking for, who were my family, who who were my parents, who am I? Um, There were some, who just wanted to see the world burn. There were some who wanted to find out what happened to a loved one. Um, But as we started getting up and up in the episodes, you started getting more um, sometimes just tongue in cheek things. Like at the very last episode, when Raven's explaining it to him and she's like, John, I want you to go out there and turn every other driver in this competition into a heap of twisted metal, you know, boom. Yeah. But then there were subtle things like uh, when we get Sweet Tooth's backstory, um, Marcus Kane. So first off, the asylum that he goes back to, Twisted Metal Black, all of the all of the drivers are in that asylum. That's where they started. Um, They're all inmates there. They all have dossiers and uh, we get to play it out as them. Um, So. 
when we're getting his backstory and he's the actor on that TV show and his new co-star is there and he doesn't like his new co-star. Um, there was a very subtle drop where he was telling his mom that he didn't like doing this. And his stepdad was like, yeah, well do it anyway. And he's like, you're not my dad. And he's like, well, you're lucky I came along or else you'd still be in the back of a taxi cab. So that's a subtle nod because in the first game, one of the drivers was a taxi cab and it was Charlie Kane who his desire was to find out what happened to his son that disappeared 20 years ago. His son is sweet tooth. So it was a very subtle nod. Okay. That's um, cool. Yep. Uh, things like roadkill when they named the car roadkill, I was calling that because that was John Doe's car in twisted metal black. You know, John Doe was an amnesiac, wanted to know who he was, but he drove roadkill. So it was bothering me that he was driving Evelyn for the longest time. And then they were like, let's call it roadkill. I'm like, here we go. Okay, so we're coming full circle to bring it up to the game. We got to see the asylum where everybody escaped from. We got to see um, some of these like Bloody Mary. Like she was one of the drivers in an earlier game. And I'm like, wait a minute. That sounds familiar. And I looked her up. Oh, yeah. Bloody Mary was in there. Um, Her whole backstory was that she was a. she was a fat, nerdy girl who tried to date outside of her league one time. You know, she was like, I'm going to have confidence and I'm going to ask this guy out. And he was like, oh, my God, you're disgusting. Why would I ever do that? And she just fucking murdered him and then decided, no, I'm never going to take this shit from anybody again and kind of went on a killing spree. Um, so it was nice to see them bring it up to that speed. Um, Sweet Tooth having his head lit on fire. Um, in the cover art for all the games, then in all the games, he always had a flaming hair. You know, that yep. was his, that was one of his signature things. His, so yeah, they kind of added that in there, which was kind of, you know, again, a nice little nod. Um, the, the preacher that I was mentioning, Jason Manzuka is fucking amazing. I love Jason Manzukas in everything that he does. He, um, he was great in this. Yeah. Oh my God. I want to see more of him. He was pinned to the wall with Raven. That was great. Um, there were people that I never saw in the that I saw in the games, but I never saw in this. But then they were pinned to the wall because you had to see that there were some that you're like, wait a minute. But like Bloody Mary driving a specter. Um, Raven was actually the driver of one of the vehicles in Twisted Metal Black. She drove Shadow. Um, <coughs> Agent Stone drove Outlaw. But there was one that I'm really looking forward to. And that was. He had a motorcycle helmet with a skull painted on it. Yeah. That's Mr. Grimm. He was always my primary character in these games. He drove a motorcycle. Oh, this was another nice little nod was when uh, John was talking about the car and they were like, oh, you better put something on it more than pea shooters. And uh, quiet grabs that one big old shotgun. And she's like this one. And he's like, no, you got four things. You got handling, armor, weapons and speed. And those were always the stats that were balanced out in the game. So you'd select a car and you'd see like, oh, this one's got a lot of armor, but not a lot of speed or the handling's really tight, but the armor is really low, stuff like that. So it was a nice little nod again. Um, but Mr. Grimm rode a motorcycle and you never got to see his face. Um, his whole wish was basically to watch the world burn, um, destroy everybody. It was assumed he was death. He was the grim reaper. And, uh, 
I'm looking forward to that. Um, there was another one. I don't know if it's going to be, but there was like a picture of a guy who was standing there. He was like, you just saw his back and it looked like he had bricks on his hands or something or like something big and heavy on his hands. There was a character named Axel and he was called Axel because he was literally the Axel between two tires. He looked kind of like uh, the Vitruvian man that um, Da Vinci drew, except for his arms plugged into the middle of the rims of the tires. OK, he, yeah, he was the vehicle. Um, so I'm wondering if he's going to be in there. Uh, and then I was like, there's one that we're missing. Why haven't we seen this one? And it was fucking Dollface. And we see her in like the PS scene at the end. Yes. Yep. When she's like, oh, I heard, you know, my brother, he goes by John. I'm like, yeah. So Dollface is there. Like. It's going to be good. It's going to be really good. Um, I really hope we get another season. This show was just so much fun. Uh, it didn't take itself too seriously, but when it did, it still did it really well. Um, you know, I felt bad when Evelyn was destroyed because we got to see her backstory and she was always there for John and really, you know, saved his ass a number of times. Plus, for me personally, a 2002 Subaru WRX. I mean, Jesus, that was my car for how many years? My, my Jedi Knight. And uh, so I had a personal connection to that car. So seeing this one on there, I was like, yeah, I love it, even though it wasn't roadkill. I like the backstory of the car, especially when he explained to Quiet why it meant so much to him. Because in more than 20 years, this has been his home, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And it's protected him. We got to see how the car protected him over the years. Yes. Absolutely. Um, uh, it's going to be good. I really, I haven't heard officially, but I really hope that they get a second season because I really... Well, with the strikes and everything going on, it's it's likely that we're not going to hear enough. about anything until they, you know. Fair enough. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We'll see what happens, I guess. Um. Yeah. Uh, I think that's all that I've got on that. Uh, what we do in the shadows was pretty damn awesome this week. Oh, my God. That was so good. I remember that we had forgotten to watch it. And so today at lunchtime, I was like, let's put it on. Holy shit, man. Uh, so in this episode, Guillermo is out of the house because he's going to go say goodbye to his mom mm-hmm. again. And it's funny because at the end of the after he does this big emotional goodbye that's plagued with problems, his mom's like, yeah, he's done this like three times in the last month. <laughs> He'll be back. Um, so anyways, but in the meantime, there's a water main break and they have Laszlo. Laszlo goes out and he talks to the media and he mentions, oh, yes, this is the worst flooding since the flood of 1892, blah, blah, blah. And they goes like 1892. And he's like, oh, I mean, 1992, because clearly 1892 would be out of my normal human lifeline. And he just, <laughs> you know, basically blows it and, you know. Now he's convinced that the world knows that they're vampires. Mm-hmm. So now the rest of the episode is them trying to deal with this. They all keep going out to talk to the reporter. It doesn't go well. Or like uh, Colin, Colin Mockery, God, Colin um, Robinson is booby trapping the house. 
because they're going to oh take God. a stand, damn it. We're not running. <laughs> and Nadja's like, grab your go bags, grab your go bags. And she dyes her hair blonde and her doll's hair blonde uh, because they have to flee. And when they move there, the first thing she does is make everybody go bags. And Laszlo doesn't want to leave. I'm not, uh, not Laszlo, but um, uh, Nadja, Laszlo, Colin, Nandor. Nandor, Nandor doesn't want to leave. Because he's going to develop a plan uh, and they're going to kidnap the girl and do this and that. And Guillermo's trying to call them to tell them just to cut it out. Just stop. He will take care of it. Don't worry about it. Stay in the house. Cut it out. I got it. Yes, Dave Coulier. Uh, my wife's doing this. What? Why do you have to cut it out? Because I said... Gabriel called and tell him to cut it out. Oh, oh, gotcha. You know, like he'll take care of it. Just stop, blah, blah, blah. And of course, they they just they can't. They can't help themselves. They can't help but screw everything up. Colin keeps setting off his own booby traps. Um, Guillermo's grandmother or mother puts a cross on him because he lost his and it starts burning him. So he kind of leaves the house and rips it off. So that was interesting. So crosses affect him, his partial vampirism. But literally the, the best part is when they're going to go kidnap the reporter and oh, it's pouring out. They're going to go kidnap the reporter and you see them in their old car driving towards her. They get out to chase her down, but then their vehicle falls into a sinkhole and then powers cut. But they <laughs> managed to record them flying the, the car out of the sinkhole. So then they go to the news station and the whole end of the show is like. Basically, them hypnotizing the reporters. Oh, now we have to do the news. Uh, murdering the weather girl. Uh, 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 you and know, then dragging her slowly off screen. Like, yeah, yeah. And then Collins, his shirt is green, so it's blending in with the background. And he's doing the weather. And he's like, oh, there's some smudge on. There's, there's some, you know, there's some goop on there. No big deal. And, I mean, it was th- the ending scene of them doing the news report was absolutely hilarious. Oh, so good absolutely hilarious. <laughs> uh, oh, and then Guillermo walks in the house and he sets off all kinds of booby traps. That, that uh, was amazing. Like, it's like a, almost like a, um, uh, Indiana Jones running down like the, like through the, <laughs> through the temple or whatever. And it's setting off all these booby traps. It was absolutely amazing and hilarious. And I loved the episode. I love how he just, yeah, he keeps setting them off, setting them off. And like, oh, uh, just getting out of the way. You know, an arrow comes right at his face and he grabs it and all that stuff. And then at the end, he's just like, what the fuck is going on? (laughs) Yeah. So I I enjoyed all of that. I enjoyed all of that quite quite thoroughly. Quite thoroughly. well. What else we got? Let's talk about Strange New Worlds and the amazing musical. That that was quite astounding. What what did you think of this? I absolutely loved it. I mean, I thought the way they handled it was funny. I thought they made it make sense as far as like, oh, they put music into this this thing that 
Spock was trying to use to enhance communications and it somehow sent an array back. And then when they've got emotional, they have to sing about it. And it made them sing about things they normally wouldn't talk about. And the songs were fantastic and done in the right way. I don't know. I just, I loved it, loved it, loved it from top to bottom. The best part though, was the Klingons rap. The boy band Klingons. Yes. When the Pike said like, you know, like uh, hail the Klingons and the mm-hmm. Klingons, yes, boy band rapping Klingons, absolutely <laughs> phenomenal. Like I popped big time for that, but yeah, I, mean, I absolutely loved it. What What did you think? I thought that it was really well done. Some of the songs graded on a little too long for me, but it was still great the way that it was done. Uh, great, great, get it. Um, the uh, I found out that Lon, okay. Of all the characters on the show, the one who plays Lan Noonien Singh, in real life, she has an aspiring music career. She actually has her own Spotify playlist. Um, She's produced several songs. So she was actually the one who pushed the hardest for this episode because she wanted more people to hear her sing and do her thing, which was interesting because she spent so much of the episode like avoiding Kirk because she didn't want to sing to him. Yeah, but then when she did, it was. But great. I thought everyone's song. I thought Spock's song was great. I thought mm-hmm. like getting her name, but the pilot song was great. I liked how, um, like, uh, Pike was gonna sing to his woman over the channel, and then like the security guard wouldn't hold the plug, if you will. And I just, yeah, I don't know. I thought the was, song was called "A Private Conversation." <laughs> yes, a private conversation. But the songs were good. <laughs> yes. I liked how like Spock needed to trigger them so they could like get a thing. So he forced her into talking, which triggered Mm -hmm. the song and everything, which hurt his feelings, but he needed what he did, what he needed to do. um, Right. So they could get their data to figure out how to stop this. And then we need to do a huge like song and dance number to finish it. And it was just. Everybody in the Federation had to join together because they were basically unzipping this reality into a reality that, would be this forever and yeah yeah i i enjoyed it thoroughly this this may be from beginning to end this is a big statement this may be like the best complete season of any television show i've ever watched (sighs) Mm. there hasn't been a stinker of an episode yet there hasn't um I don't know one left. I don't know if I can go so far as to say that because there, I think that there have been a number of series out there that have had seasons that even if they've had one stinker or two, I would still say that they were the best, you know, they were a phenomenal series. Like think about season one of scrubs, just for instance, like, yeah, that was some phenomenal TV. Even if there were bad episodes in there, like, that was some phenomenal TV. Um, early Supernatural, you know. I'll bet you could find a series of the X Files, a season of the X Files in there that you would say start to finish was just fucking no. It's, it's hard though because all of those shows are twenty episodes. Those first seasons, they're old yep. enough that they're twenty to twenty-three episodes, and it's it is really hard to put out a solid season beginning the end with 20 or 23 episodes when you have 10 it's a lot easier obviously or if you have six it's a lot easier you know or mm-hmm. sherlock three you know <laughs> um 
So, yeah, I mean, I just, yes, it is a big sweeping declaration of a statement, but I mean, it's, it's just, it's been such a great season. It and has. So many di- and so much diversity mm-hmm. in all of the episodes as well. As far as like, you know, uh, the first couple episodes being really like courtroom procedural ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, we've had um, not not really like a, a Freaky Friday switcheroo, but like, you know, Spock's DNA, Vulcan DNA being, you know, changed. to So he's full human and dealing with mm-hmm. that. And maybe that was the, the weakest episode in the season so far. But like that lower decks episode was so good, mm. so good. And then the episode with the Klingon defector, who's now a, a diplomat, like that whole episode <sighs> that was so powerful. Yes. And there was nothing funny about it. That was full, serious, like gut wrenching storytelling, character driven character development. I mean, it was so good. Yep. That. um. Yeah, I just I don't know. I don't know. It's just been such a great season. It's it's been enjoyable. Absolutely. And I'm not discounting that at all. I'm not saying that this has not been a phenomenal season, that this has not been an amazing show. Um, you know, like I said, before this season even came out, I sold a buddy of mine. I was like, you need to go back and watch um oh god, Discovery to bring ah. you up to speed. Yes, yes, yes. That's the only good reason to watch it, really. And, you know, I was like, because Strange New Worlds is one of the best shows, period. And it is probably the best Star Trek show that I've seen in quite a while. And uh, oh, without a doubt, she agreed completely. But. um, Yeah, I don't know that I could go as far as to say that this is the best. But anyway, I would be very happy if. After Pike is gone, again, Paul Wesley is doing a fantastic job as Kirk. Like, I'm really enjoying him as Kirk. I am, too. If he, be, if he got the captain, the helm of, of the Enterprise, and they just kept doing Star Trek with, you know, the the original series cast, quote unquote, of characters uh, running the show and just new adventures, I would be OK with that. I mean, the original Star Trek is 60 years old at this mm-hmm. point, practically. So, like, we're not really hurting anything if we start telling new stories with those characters. Right. So. Yeah. um, Yeah, but Paul Wesley, seriously, as Kirk, fantastic. Fantastic. And then what's his his name? (laughs) Ethan Peck, the guy playing Spock. Fantastic. Absolutely. So fantastic. So I just, yeah. Ethan Peck was one of the people who was most apprehensive about this episode because he didn't feel comfortable singing in general, much less, you know, in front of an audience. And granted, it's not really an audience, but you know what I mean? He pulled it off. That's for sure. So he sure did. Yeah. Yeah. If you haven't, you got to go. You got to go watch this. (laughs) Yeah. You got to go watch this. I concur. What else we got for shows? Is that, is that it? No, we got no. Yeah, that's it. See what we do in the shadows. Twisted metal. Good Twisted omens. Worlds. Twisted metal. Okay, good omens. I've I watched the first episode. And that's um, all we've watched so far. 
So what'd you think? And again, this is not season two. It's just saying Good Omens 2, right? Yes. Yeah, it's literally called Good Omens 2. And they're already working on a third one, so. 2019 was the last series that we got. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's been three years, uh, four years since the last one. Mm-hmm. So, um, what'd you think of episode one? The arrival. I, I thought that, um, again, I'll lean on Julia. She said it best, which was, it's been so long since I've watched this, I'd forgotten how good it was. Mm-hmm. Um, I also forgot how jarring it is to watch the roles reversed because, um, you and I watched and I'm blanking on the name of it. The, uh, the show with those two where they were doing the, oh, it was yes. locked down and the COVID show. Yeah. Yeah. And I can't remember the name of it oh. for some reason. Um, but in that show, like Michael Sheen was staged michael sheen was the dominant one he was the one who was better at everything he was like putting david Tennant in his place regularly and now we come to this show and it's completely reversed like michael sheen is playing a submissive you know super nice angel and david Tennant is playing crowley the demon who is awesome uh badass domineering in control of everything. Uh, that being said, uh, the show is again, brilliant and confusing. I really like, we watched the first episode and I'm like, we're going to need to blow through the rest of them because like, I don't understand what's going on. I know that Michael is here and he should not be. Everybody is afraid of him and everyone. And and he's, he has amnesia, not Michael Gabriel, Gabriel. Is it? I it's, thought it was Michael. It's Gabriel. Yes. No, it's Gabriel. You're thinking okay. of, I think it's Gabriel. I think you're okay. thinking of a uh, supernatural, but yeah, John Hamm is playing Gabriel. Oh, that's right. Cause Mi- yeah. Cause Michael yeah. and um, Uriel yeah. who yeah. hung out in supernatural are up in heaven talking about what's going on. Yeah. So I like how they perform a small miracle, each just a half miracle so they can hide Gabriel from heaven and hell. Mm-hmm. Uh, but instead it sets up the alarm and, and brings the angels to them. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And so they think Gabriel's there. I don't know what's going on. They're very, they're very, they're very vague about everything. But what I thought was interesting was the cold open, which was Crowley makes a nebula and, uh, you know, Michael Sheen's was as it's pronounced as Raphael shows up. And and Crowley is an angel at this mm-hmm. point. He hasn't been condemned to hell yet. And um, basically, he's like, yeah, no, this is just for the humans to look up at and go, oh, cool. Yeah. And it's only going to last 6,000 years, and then we're going to destroy yeah. it. But he's like, but they can't even see it from down there. Like, Yeah. It's, yeah. yeah I, I just His explanation of, like, how beautiful <laughs> and glorious, like, space was, and they can't even see and appreciate or enjoy it. Um, and he's talking so, about how it's going to take millions of years for everything to come into its full fruition. Like it's basically a garden to him and you know, yes, these things are growing and describe it. Yep. So it's going to take millions of years before it really flourishes and hits its stride. And he's like, Nope, it's only going to be here for 6,000. Yep. Yeah. That's it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's rather interesting. 
Uh, we also get introduced to two new characters who get trapped in a uh, coffee shop. I, this was weird. Yeah. I wasn't sure where they were going with this. Like, are they going to be recurring characters through the whole thing? Do they have I a bigger like purpose? Yes. <clears throat> I feel like yes. They definitely seem to um, mirror both the, you know, Zarafel and Crowley. You know, you've got one who's yes. in a bad relationship, a very toxic relationship. She's very, like, dejected and doesn't have time. And then you've got the sweet, bubbly one who basically wants to ask her out on a date and is overly nice and felt so guilty because she couldn't pay rent. Yep. Um, they, they're mirroring those two in their own way. And you definitely get the sense, speaking of that, that Aziraphale wants to get with Crowley. Like he has a crush on Crowley and wants to get together with him. So what's interesting is that, all right, so Nina, so, so Sanya, whatever plays Nina, the owner of the mm-hmm. coffee shop. Give me coffee or give me death. It's across the street from Azrafail's bookstore. Mm-hmm. And Maggie service plays Maggie, the owner of the record shop. That is also Azrafail's tenant. Mm-hmm. He owns the building and we find out the record shop's been like her great grandfather opened it. It's been there in their family for years. Yada, yada, yada. Here's what's interesting. Nina and Maggie played sister Mary loquacious and sister Teresa Garluas, whatever, uh, in series one, both mm. were nuns of the chattering order of St. Burl, a satanic order of nuns who had to switch a human baby with the antichrist after the covenant burns down. Um, yeah, after the covenant burns down, Nina becomes the manager of the business management center established on the same site. So they were in the first series as these, uh, not, uh, not, none of the chattering order of St. Burl. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. <clears throat> hmm. I wonder like, if that's just, you know, like some shows will do, uh, that, uh, what was that one? The one on TBS that has Daniel Radcliffe in it. Miracle oh, Workers, yeah, yeah. Where they Miracle have the Workers. same actors, but they're completely different characters. I wonder if it's like that or if there's a bigger tie back I, to them. I like don't maybe, know. Maybe they're serving their penance for this. Anna Maxwell Martin played Shelley Kahn in Series 1. And in Series 2, she's playing uh, Beelzebub. Hmm. Okay. Uh, that was interesting. Beelzebub was a very interesting character that Crowley got to meet up with. Yes. Oh, yes. Um, Miranda Richardson played Madam Tracy, a part-time medium in courtesy in series one and series two. She's a demon and confident of Crowley's shacks. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they're kind of doing it a lot. There are several people that are in the first series, play different characters in the second series. So, but yeah, we really didn't get a whole lot in this. We got some back, a little bit of that backstory. We got, like you said, some interesting interactions, but John Hamm coming in as Gabriel, who has amnesia. Uh, hell and heaven and hell are both looking for him. Hell doesn't know why, but they just know they need to find him because Scuttlebutt is that something happened in heaven. And if anybody helps Gabriel or, or is found to help Gabriel, they'll be written out of the book of life. So they will, they will cease to exist mm-hmm. or, have, or to have ever existed. Right. Like their and, existence is wiped from reality yeah. and like crowley had no interest in helping zarafal 
until he found that out. And now he doesn't want anything to happen to his friend. So now he's going to help. Him. So that's why they did the small miracle that they thought was nothing. But in reality, they alerted heaven. Mm-hmm. So. But yeah, I'm a big fan. So me too. I'm looking forward to more. I'm not sure if we're going to, like I said, we should burn through it, but I'm not sure if we'll be able to burn through it or if it's going to be one of those that we do, you know, one episode at a time and just yeah. kind of slow burn it. Cause there's only six episodes. Yeah, no, I'm not sure what I'm going to do next myself. So. Mm-hmm. And that's all the TV shows for me outside of like, uh, you know, I watched dark side of the ring which is mm-hmm. a pretty amazingly awesome TV show. Uh, they, I think they just had their last episode last week. So this is another great season of uh, 45 or so minute documentaries, 45 minute or so uh, documentary features on different like um, dark moments or unfortunate happenings in, in the world of professional wrestling. It's excellent. I, it's four seasons. Every season has been phenomenal. Nice. Um, and then I did watch a feature league documentary called the American nightmare. Uh, it was about Cody Rhodes. It's a Peacock original. And um, that was very, very good as well. Nice. Good life story of his career, his father, his family, his father, the American dream, Dusty Rhodes, uh, him getting into wrestling and just everything and everything all about it. It was just really well done. Cool. Yeah. Otherwise, I got like 10 movies to talk about. <laughs> I only have two. So why don't you go ahead? All right. So, um, well, it's going to be pretty easy to sum up six of them. So I guess I'll do that. Uh, my wife had made mention that a while ago that she'd never watched any of the mission impossible movies. And I probably hadn't seen mission impossible one in 30 years. That's not accurate because it came out in 96. So 25 years or better. Um, but I did see the first Mission Impossible in theaters. Uh, so Same. Friday we threw, so Friday we threw the first one on, watched the second one right after, watched the third one and half the fourth one on Saturday, watched the other half of the fourth one and the fifth one on Sunday, and then we watched part six on Monday. So we burned through all six <coughs> in a four day period. And um, this was an oddity, as far as they they kept getting better like after part two, like part one was okay. Part two was terrible. Uh, then part three, four, five, and six, they really started hitting their stride, especially with like four, four to five and then five to six. Like they just got better. Like the care, like Simon Pegg was, was his first movie. He, the first movie he was in, in the series, I think it was part three. He was a, kind of a secondary character. Didn't have a whole lot to do with it. As his character grew, Simon Pegg's humor came into it. Um, Tom Cruise actually got better as the movies went, as far as Ethan being Ethan Hunt and the things that happened. Like, I don't know. And then poor Vin Rames, you know, <clears throat> not the best actor in the world, but his voice is so recognizable. But when I hear it, all I think about is what he's going to do to the uh, – the racist white guy and the gimp in Pulp Fiction, how he's going to describe <laughs> what he's going to do to them real slow nice. and methodical. Um, 
but yeah, I, I thought the movies absolutely got better as they went. The first movie, like their spy technology, it was 1996. I mean, like, it weren't great. Um, you know, uh, it was a lot more of the, there was not a lot of action except for the very end with the helicopter and the train. We got like a heavy dose of action, but for the most part, very low action in the movie. Part and two, they for used me, the damn masks way too much. Yes. Uh, for me, part one, I really enjoyed it because of the intrigue. Um, it felt yeah. more like a classic Mission Impossible TV episode where sure. it was just kind of mystery and murder and who's the who done it and you know the the quick twist reveals and stuff like that uh plus as i was saying last night at dinner the fact that his original team dies in the first mission in the opening part of the movie yeah. before you even yeah. get the credits i was like yeah that's that's badass that's a twist so well sorry continue no no you're good fans of the original series and even the two season run they did in the eighties absolutely despise the fact that Mr. Phelps, who was essentially the star of the original run mm-hmm. was a traitor in the movie and was rather unceremoniously killed at the end of it. Mm-hmm. And that pissed off a lot of people because you took this enough. character that they all loved that people loved. And that's why they watched the show and made him a turncoat. And a murderer mm-hmm. and, you know, a giant piece of crap. Fair enough. It did stand out to me because at that time, Emilio Estevez still had a lot of star power and his name was still carried weight in 96. And mm-hmm. to have him be in the movie and get killed off so quickly in the building in the beginning was kind mm-hmm. of shocking. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first movie was a Brian De Palma directed movie. So, you know, you definitely had his style of, of movie. Mm-hmm. The second movie was a John Woo directed movie. There was a lot of Asian influence, obviously. Mm-hmm. And I, I am a John Woo fan, but mm-hmm. this was not good. Mm-hmm. Uh, the action, the action was dialed up a ton, but they went back to the well way too many times with these fucking masks. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that's the other thing too, like. I get it. Whatever the technology, I, they pull a mask off and it's like an inch and a quarter thick. Mm. And people didn't notice that. Right. Or like now the collar of their shirt is hugely undone because they need to have all that extra room for the mask. Like I, I just had issues with that. The, the, a second, they tried to make it very artsy with some of the action shots and some of the things they did. And it just, it just wasn't good. It just wasn't good at all. Uh, part three was J.J. Abrams as the director, and that's when we get Simon Pegg, and it starts getting a little bit better. And then part four, I can't remember who directed that, um, but again, it keeps getting better. And then part five, it's like, all right, we've hit our stride. We found how to put our humor in it. We found how to like, like take these over the top ridiculous stunts that Ethan Hunt does and just make it like, yeah, that's just no big deal. It's just what he does. Like that's how the everyone else treats it. Like the they treat it so nonchalant. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, just just climb up there. Just go ahead and free climb the uh, glass face of the building. It's fine. You can do it. And he's just like what? Um, <laughs> especially in it's 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 part. Hey honey, is it part six when he's running and he doesn't have the map in three D? 
Okay, that's what I thought because we watched them so close together. The, in part six, there's a scene where Ethan Hunt is chasing down uh, Henry Cavill's character, like through the city or whatever, mm-hmm. and and Simon Pegg's following him on like a map because they're both tagged with trackers and he's like mm-hmm. just turn left and go just run like i don't why aren't you running blah 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 and all, tom cruise has got the earpiece in you know ethan hunt and but he's running across the roof of buildings and doing this and that and doing some parkour everywhere and there's just scene where he's in this office he's like on the second floor of the office building and everyone's standing there and he's looking he can see the guy across the street but he has to jump out of this building to get there he throws a, a chair through the window and he's standing there and everyone's just watching him. And and he's like, just run, run. Why aren't you doing anything? He goes, because I have to jump out of a window. And then he just flips and he goes, oh, I didn't have the 3D on. Good luck. Like, it's just the humor in it is hilarious because <laughs> now yep. you can see, oh, you're on the second floor. Uh, it was just, I don't know. It, it, the movies got better. And that is very much a rarity for sequels to get better. Mm-hmm. I'll agree with that. Yeah. So I'm not going to go into deep dive in all of them because they've been out forever. Um, guess what? Ethan Hunt never dies in any of them. <laughs> and because uh, he is the star, if you will. Right. Um, and the other thing with part two is that there was a huge lump interest in it. And that was just. Yep. That, yeah. That's and, why and James Bond never got chases. married. Oh my God! So many motorcycle chases. But yeah, no, I, I, you know, if if for my money, you can skip basically kind of like one through three, just start with four, and even then, just watch five and six. Mm. Do you have any? Do you do you have any memory of any of them? I remember all of them. You know, like you said, I watched the first one in the theaters. Um, yep. I. Uh, there's little moments that stand out, but my big thing with the Mission Impossible movies is that Tom Cruise is a fuck not. Like Tom Cruise yeah. is a real life psychopath asshole. And yes. so as much as I enjoy like Simon Pegg and Ving Rames and some of the action sequences, some of them went way over the top. And then to hear them talk about them ad infinitum. Because, oh, Tom Cruise really did, uh, you know, land on a helicopter or jump his motorcycle off a cliff in order to get that shot because he refuses to have it be CG. He wants it all to be practical. Or the guy who had to hold his breath underwater in five or six where, you know, he was in he was locked in the street jacket in that cage. And um, it, it's ridiculous. Uh, I loved the, the Henry Cavill arm cocking, you know, where he like yes. reloaded his arms. Yes. Loved I thought that, that was hilarious. I uh, yeah. loved Simon Pegg. You know, I, I remember, I don't remember which one it was probably five, maybe six. Uh, the, the scene where they mirrored the hallway in the Kremlin there and then they kept moving. Five. the screen. Yeah. Yes. You're right. It was five. I think it, I think it was five. Yes. So I five. always liked that kind of stuff, the spy work yeah. stuff, the infiltration stuff, not necessarily the, like over the top hanging from a helicopter to jump over to an airplane to shoot a tank. And then that kind of stuff, it got redundant and obnoxious. All right. So for me, I felt the same way until I just rewatched them because in my brain, 
I had taken that the that the Mission Impossible movies went the same route as the Fast and the Furious movies, where the first one is about street racers and drug smuggling and mm-hmm. someone infiltrating the gang to to bring law and order. And then the second and one has too much t- of an Asian influence. No, that's the third one. Oh yeah. And I didn't say too much. I said it has an Asian influence because John Woo directed it. But anyways, and then by like part eight, they're in fucking out of in cars in outer space. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? And they're jumping their car like 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 the Fast and the Fierce movies just got absurd with the action. I mean, ridiculously absurd. And I equated kind of Mission Impossible to the same way. But after this rewatch with Kate, it's, it's really not. Yes, the sixth one has tremendous more action than the first one. The first one had such little action, though, that it's it's easy for it to be greater than. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, there is some kind of wild over the top action scenes like the helicopter chase in part six when you're like, this would never absolutely never happen in real life. <laughs> but at the same time, it's not so far fetched out there like he's gonna use his car to jump a fucking gorge and then land on the back tire and hit the brake so it spins it around back onto the cliff and you know what I mean? Like it's not it's not the land of make believe far fetched. Like and again they they drove a fucking car in outer space, John. Yeah. In outer space. A uh-huh. car in outer space. Uh-huh. So anyhow, uh, what'd you watch for movies? I got a couple more to talk about, but go ahead. Uh, basically two that just came out uh, on streaming because I didn't want to or didn't have the opportunity to go see either one of them in the theater. One of them was the Super Mario Brothers movie. Oh, that's right. Julia told me about that at work yesterday. Yep. Um, I forgot. It was great. What'd you think of that? Okay. It, it was, Sorry. it was great. Um, it was, it had a lot of nice little nods, a lot of, um, you know, uh, what am I trying to say? Nostalgic moments, you know, the, the, uh, no longer in use 2d stuff. Uh, the things like, uh, when they're watching their own commercial on TV and it's basically the super Mario brothers rap from the old TV show. Yes. Um, the fact that they're playing Donkey Kong on a machine, but it's Jumpman, uh, because that was Mario's original name. Uh, I liked yeah. in the house when they pan back from the TV and you saw all the different boxers framed pictures on the wall from Punch Out. Um, yep. that was great. Uh, it was, it was well done. Um, I think that this movie took itself it took itself seriously and that's not to say that it was a serious movie, but it took itself seriously. Whereas you compare it to like Sonic where Sonic included so much over the top humor, even to the point of like, you know, Robotnik ended up on the mushroom kingdom. You know, he ended up on the planet of mushrooms. Nobody would ever want to go to the planet of mushrooms. And this one, like Mario didn't like mushrooms. And then he had to eat them to grow big. So it definitely kept itself contained to the Mario universe. Um, 
But that being said, there were so many Nintendo references. You know, there was the Duck Hunt um, store where you could see the duck out there. There was the the guy that they left his job on the Wrecking Crew, which, you know, old NES, really big throwback. Uh, There was a lot of stuff like that. The tunnels, the coins, uh, the Rainbow Road. You know, as soon as he said, I know a shortcut, Julie's like, are they going on the Rainbow Road? Yeah, they're going on the Rainbow Road. Of course, they're going on the Rainbow Road. Um, So they really crammed it full of as much Mario trivia, Mario throwbacks, et cetera, as they could. And that's not a bad thing. They did it well. What'd you think of it? You're muted. You're still muted. Well, I hit the button twice, apparently, so it turned it on and off on me rather quickly. Okay. Um, I, agree, I agree with your assessment. I thought they did. There was a great nostalgia feel. Um, I agree with your comparison to Sonic. I don't think it was a phenomenal movie by any means, but I, I enjoyed it thoroughly, and, and my kids liked it. Yeah. You know, Wesley loved it. He thought it was great. Um, so that was a fun outing to the movie theater for us. Uh, it's <laughs> streaming now. If he wanted to throw it on and watch it some afternoon, I'd have no problem with that. Peacock. Peacock is yeah. where you can find it. Yep. Yep. I'd have no problem with that. And honestly, I enjoyed the hell out of the two Sonic movies too, which shocks me. Oh, I, I really love those. You know, yeah. I thought they, I thought those were both done like exceptionally well. So um, the, I'm it, sure we'll get sequel to uh, Super Mario brothers. Absolutely. 100%. Um, yeah. Fun, funny enough, I'm sitting here scrolling through my news feeds just to see if I'd missed anything. And literally right here, it says Sonic the Hedgehog 3 will begin filming without actors during strike. Seems an odd time for that to pop up. But hey, you know, it's divine intervention. OK. Fair enough. Yep. Um. Anyhow, so yeah, so I watched uh, some films and whatnot myself. I, I, had, I think we determined that. Yep. Yeah, I have. I had watched a couple on the uh, the old Netflix. I watched Hidden Strike, the Jackie Chan John Cena uh, team up action flick. Um, mm-hmm. It's still fairly new. I'm not going to spoil it. I enjoyed the hell out of it. Story was basic, but it worked. John Cena was excellent in his role. Jackie Chan was excellent in his role. We got some action scenes, some fight scenes. You know, um, I I enjoyed the hell out of it. Nice. Popcorn movie, you know? Okay. I don't know that I'll ever watch it, but that's good to know that you enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. What else? Um, I watched, Kate and I watched a movie called Happiness for Beginners. Starring uh, Ellie Kemper and Luke Grams. Um, It is uh, following a divorce. Helen books an Appalachian Trail survivalist course where she meets Jake, a friend of her younger brothers. Came out on Netflix on July 27th. You two should go watch this. Really? Yep. What's it called? Happiness for Beginners. It's a great little rom-com. Okay. Yep. I will make note of that. It really is a great little fun rom-com. Kate, happiness for beginners. You enjoyed it. See, she said, yep. Okay. 
Yeah, you guys should like it. You like your rom-coms. This is a great little rom-com. There's some good characters in it. Uh, Mateo from Superstore is in it. Um, Where do you yeah. find this? It's on Netflix. Okay. I don't remember hearing anything about it, but I actually tried to put Hidden Strike on it, and my TV was my, my the Netflix app on my Roku TV. It could just be a dick sometimes, and uh, it just started playing this movie instead. And then I didn't dare hit back because if you do that, it goes into hyperlock, and it just freezes up the TV, and the TV auto restarts after a couple minutes. So I just let it run, and we ended up enjoying the hell out of it. <laughs> well, some might say that that was serendipity. Yeah, Kate was actually planning on going to bed, but then she got sucked into it, and then we watched the whole movie. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. And then the last movie I watched is called Gatlop. And it uh, it's on it's a it's a it says it's a horror comedy. I'm gonna go more definitely more heavier on the comedy. Um uh, who do you know that's in it? Probably. Uh, oh, Emmy Raver Lampman, who played uh, Allison Hargreaves on the Umbrella Academy. Oh, okay. Yep. She's in this. Uh, but basically, it's called Gatlop Hell of a Game, or just Gatlop. I watched it on Tubi, so it's free, and there's commercials in it. But again, Tubi. I've watched several movies on Tubi now, and they do a fantastic job with their commercial breaks. They don't just happen randomly. It makes sense. It's at, it's at times when the movie's going on a scene break, and they actually give you a countdown to when the commercial starts. Mm, and nice. um, Yeah, and then when it comes back for a commercial, it kicks it back a few seconds. So it's it's they, they just – they do – they, they take – they have people watching the movies, so they know when to put the commercial breaks in at the right time. That's all I'm going to say. Like they do, they do a good job with it, surprisingly. And I, and for a free app, I hate watching commercials, but this is so tolerable because they don't just jump in and like, oh, it's been 10 minutes, time for a commercial break, or it's been 13 and a half minutes, time for a commercial break. Mm, you know what I mean? Okay. Yeah. Um, they they've always placed the commercials where it makes sense. Uh. Four estranged friends reunite to play the game Gatlop, a drinking board game. They soon discover that they must complete complete the magical game before sunrise, or they'll be doomed to play it for eternity. Um, 80% on Rotten Tomatoes, 6.5 on Metacritic, 69 out of 100. Uh, I, I don't know. Um, I enjoyed the hell out of it. Came out in June of this of last year, apparently, but it didn't get on Tubi until like last week. So maybe it had a maybe the release dates from when they put it one of the you know the first time I went to one of the the film fests or something like that. Um, I haven't seen this available on DVD anywhere. I think Tubi's got the streaming exclusivity. Um, I don't know. I enjoyed it thoroughly. Um, good story, babe. Good story. Like interesting, you know, the, the premise with the board game forcing them to play and and uh, uh, making them like speak their truths that they were otherwise wouldn't speak in order to advance in the game. And there's, there's uh, consequences for not following the rules correctly. Um, yeah. I don't know. I just thought it was a great little flick. It was worth my 83 minutes. Hmm. Nice. Yeah. So 
or it's a little longer than that. Sorry, but and it doesn't matter. It was worth my time. Hmm. Nice. Um, the uh, final movie that we watched in just a second. First, I have to uh, make two corrections. One, I thought it didn't sit right with me. Uh, I double checked. Sony created the first two Twisted Metal games. Then they farmed it out to 989, who fucked it all up. So, uh, okay. Yeah, 989 is the one who was responsible for three and four, and they weren't any good. And then Twisted Metal Black was on the PS2, Twisted Metal, which was supposed to be like a reboot came out in 2012 on the PS3 and it was just called Twisted Metal. So everything else, uh, you know, Twisted Metal 1, Twisted Metal 2, Twisted Metal 3, Twisted Metal 4, Twisted Metal Black, and then Twisted Metal. And that was 2012 and they haven't done another one since then that mattered. So I just wanted to correct that. The other correction is that we did watch another show this week. Um, We watched far too many episodes of Love Island. It's a reality show. Um, I got sucked into it. Um, that's all that I'm going to say about it. I'm laughing because Julia told me all about it. Yep. <laughs> uh, I'm, that's all I'm going to say about it. She's like, it's a terrible show. It's just terrible. It's not even good. And John's just sucked right into it <laughs> with me. Well, what I love about it is that, you know, she has watched this before as a, you know, depression show is as a down show as a you know i'm just going to get sucked into this because that's what reality trash tv is for it's not for feeling good about yourself it's not for watching and saying oh i'm here for the plot line it's for you know getting sucked in and seeing trashy people do trashy things so um she used to watch it by herself and she's told me multiple times she told me this about uh, love is blind as well she's like i just love that I can watch this with you. You make it so much better because I will full on rip on this. I'll be like, this is bullshit or that person's a piece of shit. Or I fucking hate that this is happening. Um, why did they do this? Why would they do that? Nobody would ever do this in real life. And she says that it adds to the enjoyment of the show. Like some people would, she also did mention that you just shit all over it. Yes. Yeah. Some people would be like, this is my show. If you don't like it, get out. But with her, she's like, nope, this actually elevates it. This actually makes it better. So that's a fun part of it as well. Um, but I definitely do not need to get into it. It's on TV. It's the current season, which means that Peacock has new episodes, as they say, new episodes every day, except hump day. Don't know why. But yeah, I looked at it because I was thinking that this was going to be like 10, 11 episodes. The last season had like 38 episodes and I just lost it. I went 38. We are not watching all of this. She's like, I am. You can watch it with me if you want. I'm like, fuck. Then yes, I will. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot of episodes, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's too many. That's yeah, I agree. Um, the last ep- the last movie that we watched was last night. We watched Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Um, <clears throat> hadn't seen this one yet. Hadn't seen it in the theaters. Uh, almost watched it over the weekend, but Julie was like, I don't think I'm in the mental state to watch Rocket get tortured. I know that's going to oh, happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. So last night we came home, got the box of tissues, sat down with some uh, chocolate and had ourselves a great movie watching. How'd she handle it? How, how was she, was she able to, to muster it? It it was rough. 
it was rough. Um, it was rough all around, but yeah, we both enjoyed it very thoroughly and, um, came out of it feeling good, but also feeling like there were a lot of errors, mistakes, issues, things that, uh, as she said, there's no reason that Adam Warlock should have basically like his journey of growth was because he happened to be in proximity to the guardians. Like this, this guy should have gotten his own origin story. He should have gotten like a real proper treatment for somebody who was so big in the comics. He was, yeah, but he really wasn't, he really wasn't treated well in this. No, he was treated bullshit. And I had saved an article from like months ago when the movie first came out, I had set it aside because I was like, I'm going to want to check this out. And it was called 11 things that guardians of the galaxy volume three makes no sense. And one of them was that it was like, what the fuck is wrong with Adam Warlock? And why did you do this to him? James Gunn. Um, the other one that was a good point that they brought up, uh, was how is Gamora here? Like she is a variant the TVA should have jumped in and grabbed her. They should have done something, wiped out her timeline um, like they did with Loki, like they did with all the other variants. But somehow she's just living her best fucking life here. Um, yep. Yeah, to, I, I that was incorrect. Yeah. Also, what yeah. was up with the uh, what was up with the guards uniforms on that space station? Nathan Fillion looked like he was trapped inside of an anus. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, I also made it a point to say that the high evolutionary's purpose, like he took all these woodland creatures from Earth. They were all Earth creatures. That's a little odd. Um, and wanted to force them to rapidly evolve. You know, do what did he say? Like 10,000 years worth of evolution in the blink of an eye. And they all yes. turned into bipedal humanoids. Like that's that's the natural evolution. First off, Darwin would be rolling in his grave because evolution doesn't work that way. You know, evolution was adaptation based on a you mutation. Know, I didn't think about that, but you're right. They all did evolve to human esque. Maybe he put some human DNA in there. Well. I mean, even things like bats, like the bat family that took them in and helped them out, they didn't have wings. Like, why would they lose wings? That's a natural oh, advantage. Oh, yeah, that's true. Like, and also, like, when when Darwin observed uh, evolution, it was like birds. And he found that, you know, a bird would be born with, say, a very long beak that could reach into the cracks and get the bugs. And the other birds that had shorter beaks couldn't get the bugs. So their bloodline died out and the birds that bred and had the longer beaks lived. That was evolution. It was just, it was survival of the fittest basically. So it was very odd to see him like, here's a turtle. Look, it turned into a bipedal humanoid. Look, here's a rabbit. It turned into a bipedal humanoid. Even the squids, but that, but, but bipedal humanoids was, with squid tentacles coming off them. He was going to eradicate them. Uh huh. So obviously yep. they weren't they weren't right. No, no, they weren't right. Because he was gonna he was gonna kill them all. It just seemed very odd. That aside, I did like the 
concept that Rocket was the only one of them that for whatever reason that they never explained, and I love they never explained it, for some reason, as he said, of the hundreds of thousands of experiments that he did, this was the only one who ever had the gift of invention. And not invention as in like just creating new things. This was he could think outside the box. He didn't just come with pre-programmed intelligence that was there from everything else. He innovated. He could come up with new concepts. And that was a cool, cool thing. I really like that. He couldn't duplicate what he originally, I guess, created with Rocket. Yes. And it drove him nuts. Yes, because it, like sometimes things just work out and you don't know why. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, you know, sometimes it just happens that way. The uh, it was interesting that most of this movie Rocket was sidelined, but we still got to see his backstory, which was fucking tragic. I mean, it oh. was. It was it kind was, of devastating, quite frankly. Yeah you always knew that he had been experimented on and he didn't want to talk about it. Um, but to see it like this, like that was just, it was fucking terrible. Yeah. Uh, it was nice at the end when he could finally embrace the fact and understand what they were talking about when they called him a raccoon. Um, yes, yes. I thought that was hilarious because every, every, I'm not a raccoon. And he's mm-hmm. like, oh, shit, I, I am a raccoon. Only there's only one of me and that's me. And then he sees them and he's like, oh, OK. Uh, um, I guess I am a raccoon. <laughs> somebody was mentioning in this article and they made some good points. Why does Groot get to be a kaiju? And then why didn't he just use that all the time? Like. Why didn't he just grow to giant sizes? Why did he need to have guns when he could just fill the room and smother all life? Why could he suddenly grow wings and glide down? Like, granted, they weren't full on wings of like flapping variety, but he was just gliding down. He's like, oh, I'm just going to grow some wings. Well, he also talked in the movie and 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 I'm I'm, I was pretty sure people were going to revolt on that. I took that very much as we've been with them on this journey the whole time. So we finally understood him. I think he really said, I am Groot. But James Gunn was like, you guys have been along on this journey for the whole thing. Okay. You know what? I like, I like that way more. Yeah. I do. Um, I like that way, way more. The uh, the new Guardians team seems cool, although we've seen them all in action before. Um, I like seeing Kraglin. Oh, dude, when Yondu told him to go from the heart, I don't know if that was really Michael Rooker or if it was just CG, but I just went, oh, oh, because we just saw him very briefly yeah. and it was great. Yep, yeah, um, it was great. Did you notice in the PS? When they're sitting at the breakfast table and Peter's basically telling his grandfather, you know, well, I'll mow the lawn. I just don't know why her son can't do it. You know, he's a 45 year old grown man. He's just sitting on the porch. He's not doing anything. The um, no, I thought he said he goes, he goes, some kid just sitting there watching a 45 year old man mow the lawn. I just don't get it. Oh, yeah, that's what it was. Thank you. Um, Did you notice the headline on the newspaper that his grandfather was reading? It said alien abduction 
Kevin Bacon tells all. Yes. Yes, I did. I thought that was fantastic. <laughs> it was a great throwback. Um, I did like how they all got to be their own thing. You know, when, when Nebula finally said to Drax, you know, I saw you today for the first time. Cause they have that whole yes. thing where they tell him that he's stupid. Yes. You know, right. you're always and fucking like, stuff you're, up. You're not stupid, but you're, you're a father. Yeah. Yeah. You was, were never he, meant to be a destroyer. Yes. You were meant to be a father. I, mm-hmm. I thought that, was, yeah, there was a lot of heartstrings. So heart, yeah. heart tugging going on when he talks their language and she looks at him and she's like, you could speak their language. Why didn't you say something? He's like, why didn't you ask? Yeah. Why would you ask the idiot? Um, yeah, there was a lot of heartfelt moments, but then there were a lot of moments that were like, huh? Um, this movie, though, more than anything, reminded me, and I hate saying this, but it reminded me that the MCU is no longer a coherent thing. It was up until Endgame. Like, everything in the MCU was tied together. Characters crossed over. Um, yep. There was there was so much connection and it was all building towards that. And then everything exploded outwards. Everything is its own individual thing. Everything is isolated. It's in its own bubble. I mean, yes, we're getting the Marvels, which is a great crossover between a character that was introduced to WandaVision, uh, Captain Marvel, and a character who was introduced in Ms. Marvel. Awesome. Yep. But for the most part, like there should have been more tie-ins in this one to what's going on in the greater MCU. Um, Loki should have had more tie-ins to what's going on. Like, again, the TVA should have appeared here to take Gamora away. That could have been an entire plot line. Um, Secret Evasion, prime example of a fucking bottle universe where it doesn't matter. Oh, they name drop some of the Avengers, but we don't get to see any of them. So, this movie really reminded me of how great the storytelling can be and how the MCU will never be what it was before. And it was sad. Uh, you're honestly not wrong though. Like that's what I think some of our, our biggest gripes that we've had about some like, like secret invasion and even some of the other, like, you know, movies is like, because of the super build to Avengers and then the continued build till we got to end game. Mm-hmm. Um, like why, why are there no other Avengers helping Sam Jackson helping, you know, shaft yeah. I mean, uh, shaft. Jesus. <laughs> oh, played one time is the one I bring up. Uh, but anyways, you know, why, why are they not in the movie? Why are they not helping stop the the, the, the scroll and everything? Mm-hmm. It doesn't make sense. Just like Ant-Man, Quantumanium, they had to figure out a reason to get them off of Earth, if you will, into the quantum realm like that so that they could have the movie and not have anyone else in it besides them. Like, And I almost feel like that's what's going to have to happen now because they have intertwined them so much. Um, I know... That he got a lot of heat and the speaking out or whatever it was. But like Max Landis posted a a YouTube short the other day and his analysis of the DC universe and the MCU on the comic book side of things. 
and how now the movies have mirrored it so much was pretty much spot on. And I'm not going to be able to say it verbatim, but basically, like he said, the biggest problem DC had is, is they gave the creators way too much power to run storylines and try to run everything. And so it didn't work. It tanked. And that's what they've done with, you know, um, Zack Snyder with the DCU. And mm. maybe James Gunn's going to pull him out of it. Who knows? And then on the Marvel side of thing is that they got the stories so intricately intertwined and so much minutia with them that like when they're trying to tell a story, it takes forever because they can't just tell a simple story anymore because they've made it too grand. And that's was the downfall of Marvel Comics almost in the 80s and the 90s and the 2000s and why they had to reinvent themselves every time because of their storytelling method. And they're doing it now with the MCU. And again, you're best to go find the video and listen to him describe it over me Mm -hmm. because he describes it a lot more eloquently. Um, But he's not wrong. Uh, Because we've talked about it many times. And like you said, the MCU, as we know it, like maybe they need to reboot it. Yeah. You know, I don't know. Maybe it needs to be rebooted. Maybe that's Um, what they're aiming for with Kang. Maybe it is. I. They have got the multiverse thing going, so. And maybe not reboot it as much as just like take a step back and just be like, you know, people have loved how everything's crossed over so much, but maybe cross over less. I don't know. Yeah. You know, because you could have a Spider-Man comic book and not cross over Spider-Man movie and not cross over. Mm -hmm. It's just it's hard when you have a Nick Fury movie and where he's kind of so intricately entwined with the Avengers. And again, it has to not be a grand global catastrophe story. It has to be like, you know, Spider-Man fighting Doc Ock in New York city from whatever ploy he has to do something to the city where the superheroes like, Oh, well that's Spider-Man's problem. We're going to leave that one alone. Mm -hmm. You know, that's not a worldwide catastrophe event. (laughs) Um, although that being said, I did read recently that uh, Gal Gadot is going to play Wonder Woman again in the third movie. Yeah, I saw that. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah they just reannounced that she's coming back. So, what is it, Vivian? You want me to pat you so you can just run away or get mad if I pick you up? All right, trailers and whatnot. So we already talked last week about the Loki trailer that we watched. Um, I, I sent you a trailer for Spy Kids Armageddon. Yeah, pass. I mean, I yeah. watched it because then the rules, but pass. Hard pass. Yeah. Um, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse is releasing this week on digital. I think That's tomorrow. That's crazy. That's fast. I'm actually going to buy that one. Are you going to buy it on digital or wait and buy it on, on physical media and get your free digital copy? I'm probably going to buy it on digital because I never use the physical media anymore. I, I get what you're saying. You know, you get the physical and the digital, but I don't know. We'll see. I don't I mean, think you pay that I, just as much. You just pay just as much for the physical as you do the digital. Yeah. I mean, digital as you do the physical. Yep. And then you just go sell it at Bull Moose. Make mm-hmm. some money on it. Yeah. Um, out of the blue, we got a season two teaser for Invincible. 
Oh, I, I have to go watch that standalone episode they released on on. Uh, yeah, I, I do too. I'm actually going to um, I'm actually going to go back and rewatch the first season, not only because it was great, but Julia never watched it, so I want to watch it with yeah. her, get her caught up to speed, and then watch the standalone. Mm-hmm. We've got until November before the second season comes out, so we got time. Yeah. You sent me that Fantastic Four reboot cast Vanessa Kirby and Joseph Quinn as Sue and Johnny Storm. Yeah, is John Krasinski going to be Reed Richards? That's all. I Not care. that I'm aware of. I, I don't think that he is coming back to that. Boom. Yeah. Um, this was the only reason that I sent this one though was because they said that it's like 95% certainty. You know, this wasn't one of those like, ooh, uh, a, an insider claims that there might be knowledge of some back alley deal. No, this was like a yeah, it looks like they are pretty much signed on. Joseph Quinn, I mean, Eddie from Stranger Things. I yeah, could see him as Johnny stuff. Storm. Yep. Uh, I sent you a trailer for another action movie. Who is Aaron Carter? It's another Netflix yeah. action flick. Yep. Um, that looks decent. Um, I'll probably check that out. Yep. Uh, Dick's the Musical. Yeah, I'm going to watch that. Um, I don't really know what to make of it, but uh, I'm going to watch it. It looks ridiculous. It's A24, which they have a pretty good track record anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, it. I'm intrigued. Yeah, I'm absolutely intrigued in that one. Um, sent you an interesting trailer for The Kill Room. Where basically these people are looking to launder money from hitman activities. So they do it through an art gallery where he basically kills people and then makes a painting out of their blood, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, that's what it kind of seemed. Got Uma Thurman and Maya Hawk, which is interesting because that's her daughter. So. Yeah, but this is how it's a hitman, his boss and an art dealer. Sorry, a hitman, his boss, an art dealer, and a money laundering scheme that actually turns the assassin to an overnight avant-garde sensation. And I think that's the part of me that's going to turn me off to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, I don't know. The yeah. next uh, one, though, looks really good. King of Killers, Frank Gillow, Elaine Musso, a, a, a lot of other... Low budget B action flick people getting yep. together to just you gotta kill me to win. <laughs> yeah. It looks great. It does. It looks really, really good. Um Aubrey Plaza is reportedly they gave her rollout in Agatha Coven of Chaos. She's going to be the first Green Witch uh and a former yep. girlfriend of Agatha's, so that's yep. cool. Uh, Kevin Smith actually got a waiver from SAG to start filming a new movie, mm-hmm. even though the even though the writer strike and the director stri- and the actor strike is on. Uh, it's called the 4:30 movie, and it's about kind of taken from Kevin Smith's childhood back in the day when you go buy a matinee ticket for a movie and then just theater hop all, yep. the, all day long. So that's kind of cool. I, I I feel like you know after his Clerks three movie like and you know his 
changes of, of his lifestyle and everything, I could really be behind something like this, something that has a, uh, a personal feel to it. Like clerks did to him. Mm-hmm. I feel like yep. that's something he could be passionate about and really do a good job with. Uh, let's see. I sent you scream seven is going to bring back a classic West Craven element forgotten by the, essentially there's going to be uh, comedy in it. Yeah. Which, okay. Like, as long sure. as they don't do slapstick, like, scary movie kind of. No. I didn't realize they were making another movie. I thought they were going to make this new trilogy and that was going to be the end of it. Because mm. they made four to start? Yes. And then we just got five, six, and seven. Mm-hmm. So this must be eight? Or maybe they're calling this one. Wait, wait a second. This said the head the headline says Scream Seven is gonna bring back. Yeah. Oh no, we've only gotten six. We got the original four, and then okay, so we have only gotten two more. Okay. For some reason in my mind I thought we had three, but no, we got twenty twenty two, twenty twenty three. All right, so Scream Seven is correct. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, what do you think about David Harbour is going to be at the theater at Monmouth this Saturday doing a, just a Q&A thing. And it, it was just announced like today. That's very Tuesday odd. There's so, much, there's so much odd about that. Yeah. And apparently he performed there between 94 and 97 and uh doing multiple different plays so i probably saw him actually without knowing it and um yeah so he's doing this as like a fundraiser for them so yeah i don't know Hmm. but that's it for me um that's also it for me oh wait no i'm sorry one more thing i yeah Fun little bit of trivia that I realized if you watch the credits um, when we saw Evelyn's backstory in Twisted Metal. Do you realize the kid that played young John is Anthony Mackie's real kid? Oh, no, I did not know that. Yeah, it said young John, Anthony Mackie Jr. I was like, well, there you go. Yes, that's why he was such a cute kid. Hmm. Oh, speaking of actors, kids, I forgot to talk about the new Justified TV show. Oh, okay. Have you watched any of that yet? I have not. So we've watched, I believe, the four episodes that are out. And his daughter is in it playing his daughter in the show. And she is terrible. Her voice is horrific. <laughs> it's like this oddly quiet, high-pitched baby voice that makes you hate watch it. Oh. Yeah. Okay. And when he stuck her on a bus in the third episode and sent her off to her mom, I was happy as shit to not have to listen to her talk anymore. <laughs> Nice. But it's Waylon. It is fully on Waylon back in the show. Um, yeah. Well worth your time. Nice. Yeah, I'll get there eventually. Yeah. And the uh the the winning time or whatever, the the Lakers TV show that was on HBO Max, the second season came back the other day. That mm. was the one I was trying to think of the other night when we were at dinner and I couldn't remember the name of it. Yes. So that's right. Yeah, I have not watched that yet. I have not watched any of the first season, so. Yeah. All right. Well, now that's all for me. Yes, I'm on Twitter. 
I'm on Twitter. I'm on threads. I'm on Instagram. I'm Superstar Mel. I'm the Quantum Geek G33K. That's the show. We will talk to you next time.